you got me thinking if it was really worth it Putting it all at this effort just to end up less than perfect But on our great intentions, something used for our protection Are they just another way to force out imperfections? I guess I'm just effective, pointed in the wrong direction The library in my head has one fucked up selection Now children, pay attention, or you'll receive detention Cause after this, you'll be tested on your own reflection Hey! What's going on? What's good? What's happening? And welcome back to the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast. This is episode 68. I know last week I said it was episode 68. I was wrong. That was episode 67. This, uh, in fact, excuse me, Jesus Christ. Uh, This, in fact, is episode 68. Apologies. I am actually pretty tired. Uh... Normally I'd be off on this day. I'm recording this on Wednesday the 25th. Uh, This will be up on the 27th. But uh, normally I'd be off today, so I would have recorded a lot earlier, you know, when I had a lot more energy. But I ended up having to work just because our schedule is being adjusted for what's happening throughout the week for Thanksgiving. Because where I work, we are open on Thanksgiving, so I will be at work on Turkey Day. Um, But uh, yeah, so I ended up having to work a full day. I did like... I, I was at work until like not from nine to four, but sh- you know what I mean. Like I had to be up, I had to be out there, down there doing my thing. So I'm a little tired. Uh, I showered, ate, just chilling a little bit. So it's like uh, <laughs> I'm I'm relaxed, I'm mellowed out. So excuse me if I yawn or if I'm not like super high energy. I, I'm I'm not gonna be low energy though, but you you get what I mean. So apologies for that. Uh, this is not usually the time I record. This would be like about the time I'd be unwinding and relaxing for the evening, playing some video games, going back on that Cold Steel 3, you know what I mean? Um, I'm currently on chapter, I just got to chapter 3 of Cold Steel 3. So there's chapter 3, chapter 4, and then the final chapter. Uh, these chapters are long as fuck though. This game is long. I know like I'm kind of moving a little slow too, so that's making it longer, but jeez. Jeez. <laughs> this one's a long one. Yeah, you know, having a drink, spit on some beer. So what are we doing this week, anywho? Um, this week, it's probably going to be another short one. Uh, this one probably shouldn't be more than an hour as well, just like what happened uh, last week. So, but uh, we're talking about context this week. And I wanted to do that just because like these next few weeks, I'm just kind of like... You know, might as well just do like some kind of like old podcast stuff and just talk about like a specific topic, a thing like such as this, and then apply it to like nerd culture, like I used to do back on like the earlier podcast episodes, like with last week when we were talking about opinions and shit. Even though that was like a shoot the shit episode, but um, I, I wanted to talk about context, how it applies to stories, uh, mainly anime and manga, and I'm gonna use some examples. Uh, two from My Hero, and then uh, I'm going to use one from Yu Yu Hakusho just to get the point across, the point I'm trying to make across, and context and story writing, context in real life as well, and how you guys need to understand. Well, pff, I'm not, when I say you guys, don't, don't think I mean like everybody. If you get what I'm saying, you get what I'm saying. If you don't, then this is why I'm doing this. Some people need to understand the difference between context and like someone being uh literal and someone being kind of like metaphorical or meaning something else or representing something else and i feel like a lot of people take everything literal and they miss the context or the things uh those words 
are supposed to represent or they only think about the words and they're not thinking about the actions that go along with it to form up that scene so i just want to go over a few of those this probably be a really short episode this week honestly i just wanted to talk about that kind of be done with it just a few examples like i said i'm kind of chilling uh planning and getting stuff ready for 2021 for when we get kind of like a brand new not setup feeling but like a uh, structure to the podcast like i said it'll be kind of like a soft reboot and i got plans for it uh it will be bi-weekly i think i i finally like have fully come down to that decision i was like i think i'm gonna make it bi-weekly we'll see how it goes maybe if i feel like we can do it weekly we'll do it weekly we'll switch back but for now the plan is to do it bi-weekly i feel like i'll have a better structure with that i'll have more time to plan ahead get my thoughts together we can get a more well-structured uh, hour and a half to two hours of time if I if I do it bi-weekly. And I'll be able to gather up more news. It'll be fun. It'll be a fun time, I think. But we'll see. If, if it doesn't work out like that, then I'll probably just switch back to doing weekly. It's not a big deal. But we'll see how it goes. Anywho, let's get to it. So uh, what made me want to talk about the idea of like context when it comes to story writing is just... Um, I've always thought about it a lot. I'm probably sure I brought it up at the podcast, too, a couple of times. But um, I see a lot of discussions, a lot of debates and stuff like that online or just in real life with friends or other people that I meet in other places. Well, I haven't met anyone new in other places like conventions or anything like that <laughs> since the quarantine started. So <laughs> it's more so online than anything in the recent months. But still... Uh, People have discussions about certain things that happen in, like, an arc of a story or a certain fight or just a, a story altogether. And I see there'll be debate on certain topics of, like, how strong this character actually was at this point or what this character was actually intending to do when they did this or said this, da-da-da-da-da-da. And I noticed that there are always people that are missing the context within certain events that happen in the story and it's either they're only looking at the actions that were displayed and they're ignoring the words because you know oftentimes we find ourselves watching anime series that especially or mainly you know like action-based stuff like shonen and stuff that have a lot of talking and you're just kind of like okay stop talking get to that action so sometimes you're not thinking about it and sometimes you don't really need to think about it there are just certain series where you don't really need to think that deeply about the dialogue. You just here to see people throw hands, and the dialogue's just kind of secondary to move that whatever basic storyline forward. There are anime like that. There are 100% are. But I feel like people apply that to everything sometimes, and they just ignore all the words being said, all the emotions being brought forward into the fight, and the representation that comes from those words and those actions kind of going hand in hand, kind of being together. And that creates debates, that creates confusion between two people, two fans of the same thing that watched the same fight, maybe saw different things from that fight because of that. Uh, maybe a fight looks a little more silly to you because of you missing the context or you understanding the context and somebody else doesn't see it. Um, Things of that nature in general. So I wanted to bring that up and I wanted to give examples, like a few examples of that stuff. Especially one in particular that I feel people like always tend to 
myth, like it's like a misconception. Um, it, it's not well. It's I don't want to say always tend to miss. It's more recent because it's a more recent anime. It's from uh, My Hero Academia, from the more most recent season, from season four, and I've seen people talk about this a lot and discuss and find it like stupid or find it like that doesn't make any sense. This and that, and it's because they're missing the context of what was actually being said. And they're taking it literal. And that's the issue with this particular fight. And the fight I'm talking about is uh, it's in Season 4 during the second half of Season 4. So after the overhaul arc. And um, it's the fight between Deku and Gentle. Gentle Criminal. Uh, I fucking... I just want to go on a little side thing and say... I fucking love Gentle. I thought Gentle was a cool fucking villain. Um, he was a cool character. I don't even want to call him a villain, like a cool antagonist. Like, Gentle was cool. And it, he was like a silly character, but he had like so much pride and passion for what he do, for what he wanted to do. And you can feel that conviction. And for like that one little arc he's in, like that school festival arc for that one arc and that one fight, I really vibed with that nigga. I was like, yo, okay, this is cool. Do I agree with him? No, of course not. But you don't have to necessarily fully agree with someone to relate to them. That's why people like relatable villains. You don't have to 100% agree with a relatable villain to like that villain. You can just kind of feel what they're going through. You can understand it. Maybe you do have a few similar personality traits, but that doesn't mean you condone what they did. And I know there are some fans that condone what certain villains did. And I'm just like, it makes me glad the anime world isn't real because some of you niggas is crazy. But, um... Back on the topic, uh, My Hero Academia in general is the type of shonen that definitely relies on its emotional standpoints, its emotional like character moments when it comes to fighting rather than the actual action. Now, don't get me wrong, there are some fantastic action scenes in My Hero Academia, like uh, when Deku and Todoroki fought in Season 2, uh, Ida... Deku and Todoroki versus Stain, you know, shit like that. Overhaul when Midoriya fucking clapped that nigga at the end when he was able to use a uh, all for one, <laughs> our, our one for all uh, at a hundred percent. That shit was great. I, you know, there's some cool moments. Kirishima and Fat Gum, but also you have to think of um, when you actually think about those fights and look at a lot of them. Mainly, let's say fights like, for example, a, a big example of this, when I say uh, My Hero Academia relies more on its emotional uh, point of view, like a character point of view, like an emotional moment or emotional standpoints of growth for characters, rather than the action itself, or more so the action, which is what a lot of shonen do, like, there is emotion or a character standpoint, or like a character point of view where you know like you know they're putting a lot on this fight or doing putting all their emotions into this because it impacted them like such and such and such and such but the action is more put to the front lines because it is a shonen my hero academia i feel does a little bit of the opposite and a good example of that is uh all might versus all for one uh that fight is very short and it's very straightforward but the reason why it's stuck in so many people's heads, not in just the anime, but in the manga when it happened, like, I want to say, like, what, a year or two prior to it actually occurring in the anime? Because I remember reading that moment and being like, fuck, that was, 
bra fucking vote. Like, that, that shit was beautiful. Like, uh, that fight is short when you think about it. Like, uh, All Might pulls up. They start going at it all for once, kind of like throwing these pressurized blasts or whatever. You know, All Might's getting torn up because he doesn't have the full power of it anymore. And then the fight ends with All Might just landing one good, clean punch on All for One right at the end. The, U the United States of Smack! Like, smacks him in the earth. Moment's awesome, right? And then All Might stands victorious. He does the point at the screen. And then you know he's pointing at Deku directly. It's like, it's your turn now. Like, it's great. But that fight is short. It's like that one, like, All Might's kind of getting pushed back. He finds the will within him for that last punch, throws that punch, and that's it. He retires. And that's it. And that's the clash. The reason why that fight stands out so much to a lot of fans and to a lot of people who watch that fight, even though it's not super high action-packed compared to fights from, let's say, like, Naruto, Black Clover, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, Bleach, Dragon Ball Z, stuff like that, more uh, One Piece. Like, you know, shonens that have some, like, really heavy fight scenes and this isn't to bring negatives on those series like oh they're not as emotional that's not true at all this is this is me just saying what my hero relies more heavily on and why it works so well for the story itself um that fight was an emotional fight because of what was on the line at that point not just the situation at hand where like oh fuck the kids are there bakugo got kidnapped this and this and that. I'm talking about the emotional... The emotions being put in between All Might and All For One. All For One is like this end-all, be-all, big bad villain character. And he's caused a lot of shit. And he's All Might's arch-nemesis, essentially. But people who use the quirk uh, One For All, or yeah, One For All, have always had this battle with All For One. It's an ongoing struggle, so All Might's predecessor, Todoroki's, <laughs> or not Todoroki, uh, Shigaraki's grandmother, she was, you know, killed by All, All For One, and right in front of, right in front of All Might, like way back prior, she, she lost, but she always kept that smile on her face, so All Might has that chip on his shoulder, he has the hopes of all the people in the city, all the people who believe in him as a hero for being the symbol of peace, for being the number one hero. He has that on his shoulder. He has the burden of carrying this legacy of having this quirk that gets passed down from user to user in order to stop all for one. So he has that on his shoulder. There's a lot weighing on All Might to win this fight. Like, there's a lot on the line. All Might has to win this. If he can't beat all for one, who the fuck's gonna beat all for one? You know what I mean? This is this is it. This is the goal. This is what it's meant to be. So, and we already know this stuff. That's that's the thing too. They didn't have to build up to those emotional points. We already knew this stuff prior. We already knew why at this quirk. We already knew about all for one. Uh, we we understood what was going down and what was about to occur. So when it got to that point, we already had the an idea of the emotions and thoughts going through All Might's head when he entered the battlefield. And the situation was already extremely tense. So 
you're not really thinking about, oh wow, there wasn't really a lot of action in this episode, or there wasn't really a lot of action in this chapter, because you're scared. You're scared that, um, oh shit, this is it. This is where All Might like dies or something. He's struggling. He barely has any of his full power left after passing on the quirk to Deku. And then you have Deku feeling pressure to really hold this legacy, and he feels like he took away from All Might, and that if he hadn't taken received the quirk from All Might, All Might would have his full power, and he wouldn't be struggling. And people are cheering him on from their like TVs. They're watching all over the country, all over the world, like hoping for All Might to be victorious. And it's this moment where he's like on the brink of death, where One for All has like these embers left in him. That are just about to go out. He channels all of that. Does his plus ultra. And throws that punch. And that punch just meant everything at that point. It was... Everything on the line was like decided by that punch. And not only did it look cool. Like the anim like in the manga it looked great. And uh, the, anime, the anime made it look really good too. I was happy about that. Um that impact that that satisfaction of like oh okay i can breathe he did it you know and it's not as it's not as good of a fight in terms of like action as what the season one finale where uh all might fought the nomu that was intense like they were throwing blows they were clashing fists all might was tossing that nigga left and right hit him with that plus ultra uppercut into fucking into the fucking stratosphere was gone like even when all Might pulled up to the scene it was just intense like and that's don't get me wrong a lot of stuff was writing was on the line too of course you know students lives are on the line at that point <laughs> oh excuse me Eraserhead was like getting beat the fuck down at that point like everyone was struggling everyone was scared of this nomu and all Might just pulls up and he shows why he's the symbol of peace. And this is just uh, kind of like that moment personified to a more heavy emotional degree. Now that we know more about the characters, we know no more about the world, more about the lore, the story's gone deeper. Because that was season three, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that was season three where uh, United States of Smash uh, puts all for one in jail. <laughs> so... It, it's just a crazy moment that people still remember because of what was riding on it, not just because of the action. A lot of people remember fights because of the action, and there's no problem with that. You want to remember a fight because of the action, of course. You want to remember those tense-ass moments. But it's nice when there's like a strong emotional build-up to it, too. So, you can either do these fights... If you're going to focus more on your action, then you have to make sure that the actions being displayed make sense. You have to make sure that the person who's victorious won not because of an ass pull, but because he outsmarted the opponent. He overpowered the opponent. He didn't get a random power boost or anything. He technically won. If you're gonna focus more on an emotional standpoint, like my hero, you don't really have to focus on those things. I'm not saying that all my pulled power out of his ass at that point. It was more like, this is it. This is everything he had left into that last punch. And he pushed himself beyond his limits. He did the plus, plus ultra thing. So it makes sense. But it was more so an emotional thing. So you're not so, so much thinking about that action. So if you're going to have an emotional standpoint for a fight. You have to really show what is on the line. You have to show 
what these characters are feeling and the meaning behind those things. And that's what My Hero does really well, in my opinion. Is My Hero perfect? No, of course not. But no manga or anime is. But they can improve. They can get better. And I feel like My Hero has gotten better in terms of like emotional standpoints for fights. Like later when we have Endeavor fight a more advanced Nomu, and it's kind of a similar situation uh, with All Might, except he's not retiring. Endeavor's entering that position of number one. And now he has something to prove, and it also starts his redemption arc. And we can talk about Endeavor and the context behind his redemption arc and why he can have a redemption arc and you as a reader don't have to forgive him. That's not the point. We could talk about that because there's controversy about that too. But um, as All Might did his fight with All For One, he was exiting. So that was that farewell. So he had to win. There was too much riding on him for him to fail. And with Endeavor, he was entering the number one hero position because of All Might's retirement. Not because he just finally surpassed All Might and got the number one spot. So it sent him into this position of like, okay, I'm number one now. And now he's rethinking actions that he did. He's rethinking choices that he made, and awful choices that he made in the past. He's asking All Might for advice on what he should do. And he's turning over this new leaf because he's realizing, like, I'm the symbol of peace now, essentially. This is, it's, it's, my, I, it's my duty to do this. I can't keep being this cold angry bitter piece of shit like there's more to it than that and that's he finally starts to understand what all might really meant to everyone and then he starts his own arc of redemption and i like how those two fights kind of marry each other but like what i'm saying and that fight's way more intense than all might versus all for one like endeavor and hawks versus that newer model nomu like that fight's way more fucking intense and I know people love that fight in the anime. That was the season four finale, if I'm not mistaken. Because I, I didn't watch all of season four just because I had read past that already. But I'm, I'm already way ahead because of the manga stuff. But I love watching the fights in the anime because I want to see them animated. I just haven't watched that one specifically. But that was the season four finale and people fucking loved it. People lost their minds over that fight. Because people like Endeavor, regardless of what he did, because they understand it's a character. You don't have to actually like him if he was a real person. They just like the character. And it was a cool moment. It was intense. So that's that's just another example. So with the with that as the backdrop and that being said, when you think about Deku versus Gentle, I feel like people really forget the fact that my hero is more of an emotional shonen, where instead of just like a pure steady or more heavily action-based shonen. There's more symbolism to the fights. There's more symbolism to events that happen rather than the events actually happening. It's what the the events personify. It's what the fights represent that makes it such a strong impact in My Hero rather than it just being pure action. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it just depends on what you like. If you more so just like being about that action, then you might not like the fights in My Hero as much. You might not care about that emotional stuff as much. But for people who like kind of more story-driven things, and even though, yeah, fights are cool, but what's the plot of this kind of deal, you'll probably more so like My Hero. I know a lot of people, well, I know a lot of people that don't like Dragon Ball Z, they'll say like, yeah, these fights are cool, like the action is cool, but this plot is whatever to me, and that's completely subjective to you. We can talk about Dragon Ball Z on a different subject. But I can't agree, like, 
there while there are emotional points in Dragon Ball, of course, especially if you watch from the beginning, like from Dragon Ball and Goku as a kid, and you're a fan. Dragon Ball Z more so has heavier action moments because that's what it is. It's just a heavy action battle shonen, and so more so people are more into that. There's some people that are more into that. Some people just want action, and that's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. It's all depends on your preference. Just like with a video game genre, some people don't like JRPGs. Some people want to be more involved. So some people like fighters. Some people fighting games. Some people don't really want to be competitive in a fighting game or want to learn that stuff. Maybe they do like more story-driven things, so they prefer RPGs. Maybe some people, you know, they're athletic, they like sports, so they like playing sports games. It all depends on your genre. That's the same thing with genre and anime, and even when we get down to shonen, it just depends on how you like your shonen. Do you like it where the action's in the front and the emotions sort of further back? kind of persona the fights personify the emotions or the emotion do the emotions personify the fights that's that's what you got to think about or is it a balance i think uh certain series are really good at balancing both of those things kind of like a 50 50 thing and you know just to flex <laughs> my favorite series i think one series that does that really well is yu yu Hakusho. they do a great job at uh having a balance between emotion and action. That's not me saying Yu Yu Hakusho is better than these series. That's all personal opinion. I'm just saying they don't have more one than the other. It's usually more of a 50-50 thing. And that's because that's how Tagashi is as a writer. So not only do the fights personify the action, the fights personify the character emotions, the character emotions personify the fights. It's a hand-in-hand -hand thing. But some writers don't do that, and that's perfectly fine. Just like with My Hero, it's more so that the fights are personified more by the character's emotions. So, a lot of people miss out on that. And so when you see Deku fight Gentle, yeah, the fight's cool. It's not the greatest fight in My Hero, of course not. But it's a fight, it's cool, it's interesting. I feel like the anime could have done it a little better. I feel like the manga fight is better than the anime version of it. That's just me being nitpicky at the end of the day. Who cares? Um, but there's one thing that Deku says, and this has been the controversy and the context that people have been missing. At the end of the fight, when Deku does seem to, you know, end up being victorious, or around that point where he's about to be victorious in that fight, he says, gentle... I don't remember exactly, this isn't me quoting him word for word, but he does pretty much say that Gentle was the toughest opponent he had faced thus far. So this is where the controversy started about this episode and with this subject. I'm not saying it's a huge deal that blew up, because it's not, but there are a lot of people talking about it and saying, like, calling, kind of calling bullshit on it, like, this isn't the most, this isn't the most toughest opponent you had. Especially when you think, when you're thinking of a fight standpoint of pure strength, like, the toughest battle Deku's had at that point as of Season 4, thus far, when it came to just strength in an opponent, had to be Overhaul <laughs> at that point. When he fucking absorbed people and he was a big old monster and Deku had to be 100% just to fight him. And, I mean, he fucking crushed him in the end when he was 100%. But if he wasn't able... If Aerie wasn't with him and he couldn't, like, you know, maintain 100% like that, 
he wouldn't have beat that nigga. He would have died. He would have been destroyed. So clearly, yeah, overhaul in terms of physical, in terms of just like power, like the strongest opponent, like that kind of idea, overhaul definitely, as of the anime, is the toughest opponent in terms of that the Deku's ever faced. But the problem is, that's not what Deku meant when he said that. He wasn't saying that Gentle was the strongest opponent he ever met and fought, as in like, oh, he's stronger than Overhaul. That's not what he meant. He meant it from an emotional standpoint, which is the whole point of the fight and what they were fighting for and what the fight represented. Gentle was fighting for what he believed in and his convictions. Whether you thought it was silly or not, this is something he really believed in and something he really wanted to do. And he wanted to make it big as that, do that job. And La Brava, you know, she loved him and she was there for him that whole time too. And her love, which is a part of her quirk, amplified Gentle's power. And Deku was directly opposing that at that point. That's the only time, this is the first time they've ever met each other. And <laughs> Deku doesn't want him to go through with his plan, which would be to pretty much interrupt and cause trouble at the school festival it would fuck up the festival they probably have to shut the thing down which means the big dance musical performance that class 1a had been working on wouldn't happen and it would make Ari sad so a lot was riding on Deku winning this fight as well like he didn't want the festival to be fucked over by this so he directly opposed gentle of course and he didn't know who Gentle was, so at first he was like, dude, what the fuck, you're not doing this. But as you see this fight progress, you see how much Gentle, like, wants to do this. It's not just for the sake of doing it. It's for what he strives for. And through that fight, as him and Deku are going back and forth, struggling to overpower the other one, it's Deku sees like they kind of can relate on a, a on certain levels on certain points not directly personality wise of course but there's just certain aspects of them as people that kind of are similar and Deku and Gentle see that in each other and so when Deku wins and he does say like you know it's the toughest opponent he's fought he meant that on an emotional level he meant that on like I'm clashing with someone who's just as dedicated to their convictions as I am, who is striving to kind of come up from the bottom and succeed like I am. Like, that's what that fight meant. And that's what Deku meant when he said it was the toughest. He didn't mean it was the strongest. He meant like, damn, this dude is fighting just as hard as me. That's the point of that fight. And that's what that fight meant. So. A lot of people weren't thinking about that. They were thinking more so of strength. But you have to look at the context of the fight. You have to look at the events that happened prior to the fight and during the fight where we see like little flashback moments of Gentle's past and how Labrava met him and like all that all that stuff and all that stuff. And you have to think of like, oh, the school festival and Deku's been working so hard and all the classes are working so hard just to put on this show. And Deku just wants to see Aerie smile after all the shit she went through. And the overhaul arc and even you know events prior to the overhaul arc when we didn't know her and for him to succeed and then the show you know thus goes on and Aerie's smiling and Mirio's holding her up on his shoulders and she's like look Deku Aerie's smiling and it's just like that shit is beautiful fam 
<laughs> people like thought that arc was boring and I'm just like you know whatever like coming off the tails of the over arc, overhaul arc in terms of action yeah it is a more so boring arc but you have to think about the emo emotional implications that come with that that arc and how they were trying to wrap up that storyline of kind of like they didn't just want Aerie to be a depressed fuck and then we move on to the next thing and like you know hopefully Aerie will be happy after this you know, you had to have kind of like that buffer in between before we see what's going on with Endeavor. And then, of course, we get into the... Oh, God. Season 5 is going to be so good. Season 5. If it ends where I think it's going to end, Season 5 is going to end on a nice, heavy cliffhanger. And it's going to be fucking good. But, oh, man. Those arcs. If you're if you're a manga reader, you you already know. Uh, it's it's going to be fun. Pe anime fans, you're going you're gonna to love... Uh, it's just called My Villain Academia. You're going to fucking love that arc. That arc is great. But, um... Yeah, dude, that's that's what My Hero's all about. Uh, another good example of this is... During the Overhaul arc... When, uh... Fat Gum and Kirishima went up against, uh... What's his name? Rappa? And... I forget the other guy's name. The dude that was making, like, that perfect shield. That was his quirk. That fight is very emotional heavy because... Rappa is rocking Fat Gum and Kirishima shit until the very end of that fight. It's kind of very similar to what happened. It's it's very similar actually to what happened with with All Might versus All for One, where for most of that fight, Fat Gum is getting his shit pushed in. Like <laughs> like and you have to think about Fat and Fat Gum's my favorite pro hero and Kirishima's my favorite character. So I was like, yo, you niggas can't lose. I remember winning this, reading this fight, and I was like, ah, they got a win, bro. Kirishima's finally getting some shine with the unbreakable mode and shit. Oh, God, it's so good. And um, so Fatgum's whole thing is like fat absorption. Like, he can absorb blows and stuff like that. And he's taking these punches better than, I guess, a normal person would. I mean, Kirishima in his unbreakable mode took a hit and kind of went down for a little bit. <laughs> which is like fuck he just made that but you know fat gum's taking blows but he's getting pummeled like he's feeling the pain like he can't take much more of this but as he's fighting he's you know absorbing those blows charging up trying to get ready for a counterattack. but is he going to be able to withstand it all can he counter blow in time before rampa get rampa gets shielded by uh the other i forget the other dude's name but his quirk is that he can form like this sort of energy barrier so every time when they did try to strike Rappa and it looked like he might actually get like take some damage from a blow that shield will come up and like block him and then Rappa could just wail on you with his fist and Rappa's the strongest shit and so they were like the perfect like spear and shield combination that was the idea of it and uh Fatcom's taking these hits he's charging up he's getting ready to try to you know send all this damage back but he might not be able to withstand it in time to get enough power to do so, and he might get killed before that. And so Kirishima, you know, he's he's struggling to get up. His new unbreakable mode was shattered. And he's just thinking to all these moments that led him to UA and why he's here and why he wants to be a hero to that flashback of when, you know, he he was too scared to make a move and somebody else did it. And he doesn't want to feel that way anymore. And why he got his horn, little little horn hairdo. Like, that shit was cute. And Kirishima's just kind of like a cool character because he's very straightforward in his actions. He's he's a little, he's a little, like, kind of uh, cartoony to a degree because, you know, he's all about, you know, being a man, 
fighting straight head on, head to head, which makes sense because his quirk is hardening. But at the same time, it's like you have to admire the dedication this man had as he got up, hardened himself up again, and was like, fuck that, we gonna keep going. So it looks like Fat Gun may go down, and Kirishima gets up. Hardens up again with that armor, takes those blows, and he just keeps rehardening himself and going and going and going. He's like, you're not, he's not going down. And he was dead ass gonna clash fist with Rappa, and Rappa was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. He acknowledged the fact that Kirishima was able to stand there and do that for even that long. Like, cause let's be fair, in a one-on-one -on -one fight, Kirishima would get fucking rocked by Kendo Rappa, but... The fact that he was even able to get acknowledged to that degree just showed how much growth Kirishima had, not only as a fighter, but as a character, because he was so determined. He didn't back down, even though he was scared. He he was like, I'm gonna be a hero. And as he's falling down and Fat Gum catches him and he's all skinny and about to do that counterattack, you're just like, oh boy, it really paid off, didn't it? And then they throw, Fat Gum throws that one punch breaks through the shield and hits both these niggas at the same time you're just like boy and like i said that fight is mainly kendo rapa like fucking fat gum up and just to see kirishima's convictions be the key to their victory and when fat gum says it looks like we both underestimated the hero named red riot we all underestimated the hero named red riot just whoo boy Good shit, good shit, good shit. And my hero is just full of moments. I could go on and on about fights, even if they are intense fights. Like, uh, oh, and another one. I, I feel like th this already got solved. I don't think anyone really says talks about this one anymore. But in season three, where uh, the little hero training camp got attacked and Deku went up against Muscular, and Deku threw that, what was it? That Delaware Detroit smash. And he went 100% and fucked his arm up because of it. <laughs> uh, when Deku says 1 million percent, people were like, bullshit, this nigga should be dead. And he shouldn't because that was a figure of speech. Or not even a figure of speech, that was just kind of more like a battle cry. He wasn't actually using 1 million percent of one for all. <laughs> he was going he was using a hundred percent he was doing the whole plus ultra thing he was not going a million percent it's more so a battle cry to hype himself up and correct me if i'm wrong but i believe the author states in one of the little manga chapter notes for like a volume or a chapter thing uh he answers that question and says yeah that was that wasn't meant to be literal like that's Deku kind of saying 1 million percent to hype himself up as he does that finishing blow. Uh, let me not look stupid, though. Let me see if I can find if he uh, said that. Uh, let's see. Did Deku actually go 1 million percent? No, 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 no. Uh, this might be somebody just answering the question. Izuku does not claim that he's using one for all at one million percent. It's only the fighting spirit of Izuku's way to shout his feelings towards the unusual, uh, towards this unusual strength in an emergency. 
basically he's not actually using one million percent of all for one, but is just unnecessarily yelling. Um, God damn it! I keep clicking off of it. Yelling for him to use over a hundred percent of his power. Uh, that's somebody just answering the question. Uh, but I want to actually find if the writer said that. I believe he did, though. Volume 9. Yeah, he did. In Volume 9 of the manga, series creator Kohei Horikoshi explained that Izuku's 1 million percent attack was really just Izuku's wishful thinking. Horikoshi actually apologizes with I'm honestly sorry it ended up being so like, uh, of course he wasn't actually putting out 1 million percent. It was merely Izuku's battle emotional, Izuku's emotional battle cry to psych himself up. Think of it as an abnormal amount of strength people can summon up in a crisis. So yeah, that, see, it's, it wasn't him going a million percent. It was him uh, hyping himself up, essentially. It's a battle cry. It's a war shout kind of thing. Kind of like when uh, in situ situations that are super dire, you kind of have that pump of adrenaline in your body and you kind of can move a little faster than you could normally. You're, you feel stronger than you normally do in times of like serious crisis. Like it's Kind of like that uh, fight or flight thing. That's the whole point of that that scene so like I said it's more of an emotional thing than an actual literal thing and My Hero Academia uses that stuff a lot but writing in general sorry about that car uh, My Hero uh, writing in general uses that a lot kind of like things that you need to look at the context of why this is being said and said in such such and such situation and what is the point of them saying this and another series that a lot of writing does that it's it's writing style like me, like a metaphorical speaking thing or personification a simile things like that you know writing tools writing references literary uh i don't know why it escapes me the term but uh that's that's the whole point and hodakoshi just uses that a lot in my hero and i don't think there's anything wrong with that my hero is definitely more about people's emotions, people's hopes and dreams, and there happens to be fights with people with superpowers. And it's fun, it's cool. But um, it, if I could use a scene from like another anime, because we've been talking about My Hero a lot, but the whole point of me talking about the context thing stemmed from me talking about My Hero. So that's why I was talking about My Hero so much for this episode, but Another example you could use is, uh, it's probably one of the best scenes from a Yu Yu Hakusho, and this isn't just me being a Yu Yu Hakusho shield, uh, even though I am, I fucking love Yu Yu Hakusho, I just got this cool little, uh, disc plate for Yu Yu Hakusho, disc plate, it's, it's like a metal poster, this is not a, this is not a sponsor for disc plate, I am not popular enough to get sponsors, but, <laughs> but if they would toss me a bag, I'd take it, you know what I mean, but, <laughs> I, it, it, they're like metal posters, it's cool, but, um, the scene from Yu Yu Hakusho I'm talking about, people love this scene because it's from the Dark Tournament, which is the most popular arc in the series. And I love the Dark Tournament, even though I, Chapter Black is my favorite. Dark Tournament is great. This moment is great. And I love this moment. And I still think 
it gets taken out of context. Personally, for me, I'm pretty sure there that people are taking this out of context or people aren't really thinking about the situation of what he said uh, reflected upon his actions. And this is uh, after the whole tournament stuff is over, Tagoro is dead, he's in Spirit World, and he volunteers to go to Limbo. Like, Koemo is like, we could probably do that. And he's like, nope, going to Limbo. And as he's walking through, you know, those crossroads, see you at the crossroads. <laughs> And he runs into Genkai. Because she also died. Because she killed her. This is... Killed her. This is before uh, she's granted her life back. But um, she's her... She looks like herself in her prime. So she's young. And they're talking at that crossroads in front of the gate to Limbo. And they have their last conversation that they're ever going to have. She's never seen Tagoro again. He's going to Limbo. That's it. Even when Genkai dies, <laughs> Genkai damn well is not going to Limbo. <laughs> so, it, it's the last conversation they're ever going to have. And it's just a bittersweet thing. It's a bittersweet conversation. It's a sad conversation. Because everything that happened between them, their backstory, what Tagoro did. Genkai, like, isolating herself. Tagoro then later, years later, killing Genkai. And the poetic justice of Genkai's student and the person he saw as finally a true rival, Yusuke, killing him at the end. Like, that, oof, that in itself, mwah, fantastic writing. When Tagashi ain't, when Tagashi feeling good and he not feeling lazy and he not sick, fantastic writing. Fantastic writing. But, um... At the end of that conversation, as Tagoro's finally, you know... Alright, I'm going to Limbo now. That <laughs> Genkai's like... Don't ever regret... Re don't ever regret... <laughs> don't regret what happened between us, Tagoro. <laughs> when she's like, uh... Don't ever regret anything that happened between us. I don't believe that's the exact, exact thing she says, but she, she does say don't regret it. Everything that happened, don't regret it. And Tagoro turns to her, and you know, his shades are off so you can see his eyes. And eyes are kind of a very powerful thing in not only animation, but real life. Uh, it's something people really, like, heavily notice on a person's face. That's why when you see someone, like, with their glasses on... Like, and you're just used to seeing them with glasses on. And then one day you see them with their glasses off, they look completely fucking different. It's because you're so heavily focused on their eyes. That's like a strong facial feature for a person. So when Tagoro takes his shades off and you can see his eyes, you see so much more emotion in his face. And you see he's being very sincere. It's a very deep, touching moment. And he says, no Genkai, but it would have been a beautiful life. And he heads in the limbo, and that's it. That's the last we see of Tagoro. And you're just like, fuck. That shit is heavy. That shit is heavy. And I remember, this is this is why I bring this up. I remember somebody asked in the Yu Yu Hakusho group. They're like, do you, th I, I think, I'm pretty sure the question was, do you think, you know, Tagoro regretted his decisions? Or something along those lines. It was it was related to the topic because 
I've seen people say, I don't think Tagoro is a villain. He's just kind of an antagonist, this and that. No, fuck that. Tagoro was a villain. <laughs> don't ever get it twisted. Don't ever get it twisted. You can sympathize with Tagoro. You can feel bad for what happened to him and what led him to the choices he made. And you can feel sad about that bittersweet-ass goodbye he had with Genkai. That man is a villain. Okay? <laughs> He chose to be a demon, he entered the demon underground, he did shady shit, he killed people, and even if you're willing to brush all that aside, I don't care what, what the, what it imp how much it impacted the situation of, you know, Yusuke being Genkai's student. He forced two middle school kids to enter a demon tournament where their lives were on the line and if they lost or refused to attend, he would kill them and everyone they loved. That is a fucking villain. Don't ever tell me Tagoro is not a villain. He's a great villain. Just because you like Tagoro or sympathize with Tagoro does not change the fact that nigga is a bad guy. Like, like, like fuck out of here. Fuck that bullshit. I'm tired of people saying that. That's just me... Going on a tangent, stop saying Tagoro's not a villain. He's a fucking villain. That's a bad guy. And he knows he's a bad guy, which is why he volunteered to go to Limbo. And this is what I'm getting at. A lot of people were saying, like, I think he did regret, you know, the whole decision because he could have been with Genkai and this and that. And they always bring up that quote of him saying, no Genkai, but it would have been a beautiful life. As proof that he did kind of have that regret of, like not spending his life with Yankai instead and growing old with her like that. And I disagree. And the reason why I disagree is just think about the actions Tagoro took Tagoro took leading up to him going to Limbo. He did all this shit. He killed Yankai with a straight face. He wanted to kill he killed but didn't actually kill Kuabara so Yusuke could tap to his true power. Even though he said, like, I thought of the idea, but it didn't feel right with me. But it's like, if that's what it takes, then I'll do it. He did all these things. Could have gotten a lighter sentence when he went to Spirit World. Chose to go to Limbo. Chose to go to Limbo. And you're telling me this man had regrets? No, the fuck he didn't. A person with regrets would have at least been like okay what's this lighter sentence maybe he could have gotten off with a little something a little less and maybe he could have been like i'll try to redeem myself if you have regrets you 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 have these feelings these actions you you would i don't want to say get this pity but you wouldn't volunteer for the worst thing possible to you if you had regrets because if you have regrets you you would want the option to try to make amends for those regrets or, or try to you know get into that gray area and Tagoro was never like that Tagoro knew what he was doing Tagoro knew what this meant for him down the line and Tagoro still went through with it every single time because that's just the kind of man he was he was so strong in his conviction and his actions regardless of the consequences he did not have regrets when he says no genkai but it would have been a beautiful life you can you can say yeah maybe it could have 
But that's not you having a regret. You're just saying, yeah, maybe it could have. You can always think what if. But that doesn't necessarily mean the what if would have been better than the actual outcome. Now, I'm not saying that for this situation, of course, because the girl's about to spend all of eternity in limbo. Um, but uh, it's one of those situations where he stood by his conviction to the very end. He regretted nothing. He was like, this is my life. These are my choices. I knew what was going to come of it. Because he wanted Yusuke to take his life. He was like, if Yusuke can't kill me, then I guess I'll go to Demon World. And he was going to go to Demon World not only to just, you know, search for stronger opponents, see if people could push him to his limits. He wanted a strong opponent, opponent to kill him. He didn't want to just die one day. He, he wanted to be beaten by somebody better. Which is why he pushed, wanted to push Yusei to his limits. Which is why he was like, fuck, if I gotta kill Kuwabara, then I guess I'll kill Kuwabara, even though he didn't. And we could speculate several things about that situation. We could say, maybe he only pretended to try to fucking murder Kuwabara and made it look like a murder. Maybe Kuwabara, you know, he has a strong, durable body. We know Kuwabara can take a beating. So maybe he was able to withstand the blow and not get anything fatal. Maybe it was a combination of both, since Tagoro probably was aware of Kuwabara's durability. We don't know. But he still went through with these actions to push Yusuke to his limit. Tagoro was a man who didn't seem to second-guess a lot. Once he made a decision, he made a decision, and he did not look back on it. I don't think there was ever a time where Tagoro, like, was second-guessing himself after he made a choice. Even in, you could see it in a fight when he's throwing hands. He's so sure of himself in every action. He's just raw power. He's just this mountain of like, what the fuck, dude? And he was willing to do anything to get, get what he wanted, regardless of the consequences. He wanted Yusuke to be strong enough to kill him, knowing that he was like, I'll probably be tortured in the afterlife forever when I die. But this is what I want. So that's just kind of like another thing where you, you see writing and you kind of take it out of context because people like to go and sympathize with him. So I think they take from that that he did kind of have a regret. But I really disagree. I, I don't think he had any regrets. He's just saying, yeah, it could have been nice. But yeah, I don't, don't regret anything between us. Yeah, I don't. That's why he went to Limbo. He did not regret it. He did not regret it. And I think that's what makes a lot of the character writing in Yu Hakusho so good. The characters do feel real. There are people like that in real life. There are people who share those strong convictions and traits in real life. And Akechi, I think that's why I had a higher sense of respect for Akechi in Persona 5 Royal compared to Persona 5, because of the stuff they just added onto his character in Royal. I think they did a good job with that character in Royal. Um, could he have been better? Of course, there's always room for improvement, and there's aspects of Akechi that could have been better. But I think they did a much better job at making Akechi feel like a rival and a foil to Joker. And getting to see more of Akechi's character and what brought him to the point he was at and his convictions at the end, it heavily reminds me of the idea of Tagoro not having regrets because if you played Royal, if you listen to my Persona 5 review, you already know this, but Persona 5 Royal spoilers, 
um, you might want to just stop listening to this because I don't know when I'm going to stop talking about it. But uh, Akechi, you know, when he died in Persona 5, and then we see him in Royal, you're like, in the third semester, you're like, how the fuck is he alive? It's because Maruki changed the cognition to have him be alive. And Akechi, you know, figured that was the case, and he still was like, no, fuck that. We're stealing this man's treasure. I don't give a fuck. Like, he didn't want Maruki's pity. He is like, this is my life. I don't need you to bring me back. He didn't want that. And it that's and I had more respect for Akechi at that point, especially. I already like enjoyed him as a villain a lot more through playing Royal and having like more confidant stuff with him. But through that third semester, I like thoroughly enjoyed him more as a character. Like, I'm not gonna say I like Akechi. I love to hate Akechi. Akechi's a great villain. And I don't really have a lot of, like, sympathy for him, because he's still a fucking mass murderer. But I have more respect for him because of that. Because he never backed down. He never cowered out when things got bad. He, he was just like, fuck that. He always stayed true to who he was. So I was just like, respect. Respect. And that's the thing with Tagoro. So... That's pretty much it. That's that's all I want to talk about this week. Just a lot of context-based stuff, mainly with my hero, but you know that Yu Yu Hakusho example too. And we can, I'm sure, like after this, if you already, you know, thought about this stuff when it comes to storytelling in anime, you probably already have several examples of this too. Uh, what fights represent and what they mean, and they just go further than a fight. Uh, and I feel like some people, not everybody, of course, but there is a percentage or population of people that are anime fans that don't really consider that context that are just there to see that action and there is nothing wrong with that like i said there are plenty of series that do that so it's okay and at the end of the day it's all personal preference but there is that percentage of people who don't listen to the context so they take things out of context and that leads to a lot of these issues and these debates and these discussions so when you watch an anime, it's more than just a fight. It's more than just a talking. It's not always just pointless dialogue. There's always, there's always can be there, bleh, sorry. I fucked my own, I tongue twisted myself. There can always be more to what is being said and more to what is being done. And words and actions can go hand in hand, just like how it does in real life. You can relay a lot of that to real life. What someone says and what someone does strongly impact your view of them as a person right you know what i'm saying like actions speak louder than words you got to back up what you say so sometimes that can be a literal sense sometimes that can be a figure figurative sense you know you can say such and such and such and such lovey shit to your girlfriend or your significant other you can say all that stuff you want all day but at the end of the day do your actions go hand in hand with what you're saying are your words personifying those actions? Are they just fluff? And you're not about that action, you know? Just just stuff to think about. And it's something you always gotta consider when you're writing a story and you're writing scenes, which is why some people enjoy fights that don't seem as action-packed as others more because of the overall contextual appeal. It's a balance, man. It's a balance. It's a balance. Another another series that I think balances action and emotion, emotional impact really well, 
is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I think they do a great job at kind of doing that, kind of just down the middle where you get that action, but you also get that emotional impact. You really see a character's convictions in a fight in JoJo. And I think that's also because, especially when stands become involved in part three, stands really represent their user. So you, you see that even more so with the characters. Especially in the later parts when Araki just goes fucking crazy. <laughs> like, you know, part six, man. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. I, I gotta start reading part seven of JoJo's, too. But um, that, that's gonna be it. That's all I wanted to talk about. Just rant and talk my shit about context and storytelling. And that'll be about it. We're just about to hit an hour, so once I do my editing and stuff, it'll just be an hour, a couple minutes. But um, thanks you guys for tuning in. What will be what will we be talking about next week? Next week is episode 69. Nice. So I think what I want to talk about is fan service in anime. I think that'd be a cool little topic to talk about for episode 69. Like uh, how I feel about fan service personally. Does fan service hurt anime? When should fan service should be used? Should it never be used? Da, 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 this and that. I think we'll just talk about that. And that'll be like more, that'll be more opinionative. I'll probably give a few examples, of course, just to prove my opinion or bring my, give my opinion more weight. But it, that'll be more opinion based rather than me giving like these more direct, 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 direct examples from stories. Um, but that's about it. That'll do it for this week. Thank you guys for tuning in and thank you guys for all the support. Like I said, once we hit episode 70, that'll be it for season three. We'll be taking like that those two weeks off, which will be like that second half of December. And January 1st, we should be back with season four for that, that soft reboot. Uh, I got some surprises for you guys, so I hope you're excited for that. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys have a good Friday. Hope you guys have a good weekend. And I will catch you next week. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Oh's man, 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 Pose man, pose man, pose man, pose man, I pull up in that old jet, pose fast, I 